good. Praise God. It's great to be here. Spent this weekend with you, with, together with my wife, Georgette. Amen. We have been in full-time ministry for almost 35 years. We've been married almost 45 years. So we, we've known each other a long time, and, and that's good. And the Lord's been blessing us. And as you know, we pastor a church in Tilburg. It's called Levenskracht, the Levenskracht Gemeente in Tilburg. And uh, it's a Dutch church, so we speak mostly Dutch there, of course. Georgette and I, we talk many languages because we, we live in Germany. We just live over the border. Uh, I don't know if you know Romont. For those of you that like to shop, you know the outlet malls in Romont. Everybody goes, yeah. And all the husbands are looking at their wives, you're not going there. <laughs> Stay away from there, not good. So we don't live too far away from there, but on the German side, just across the border. And uh, we've ministered in Germany for almost 20 years before the Lord called us back to Holland. And that time, of course, we only spoke German. And uh, now my German's a bit rusty. Of course, we understand it, but it's a bit rusty. So our neighbors, of course, are German, so we talk German. Georgette and I talk English, but all the rest of the time we talk Dutch. So we're always just going back and forth between the languages. And, uh, you know, it's amazing how that's possible these days. God just, you know, just inspires you to do that. But we have a church in Tilburg. We started about seven years ago. It's not our first church, but it's one more that the Lord asked us to start. So we've been, we've been uh, investing and we've been sowing and we really believe that the Lord has called us there for a very special purpose. On top of that, we've been traveling quite a bit. We just got back from Suriname. And Suriname is, of course, in South America, right beside uh, French and British Guiana and Brazil further to the other side. So actually, it's right on the Amazon. Uh, very hot, very tropical, but a lot of lovely people that are just hungry for God. So we're just really glad we can go there every year to minister to them and, and just give them the word. Praise God. Amen. We, uh, we see many things happen in our lives. And, you know, the theme of the conference is impact. Impact, John 14, 12. And... Uh, I have a question for you. I have a question for you. Have, has Jesus impacted your life? Yes. yes? Has He impacted it in a good way? Yes. yes? Are you ready to use what He impacted you with to impact somebody else? Because yes. that's, that's how things are going to multiply. If we don't just keep it for ourselves, but we begin to just give it out again to others. And there's so much on the inside of us that Jesus wants to release. There's so many giftings and callings. There is so much a part of our lives that are just waiting to unfold, you know. And there's no one that I know better than the Holy Spirit who's capable of just igniting that flame inside your heart Amen. and causing what you have picked up and what you've been impacted with to be carried on beyond you to others. And that's why we're here. You know, if our lives are going to count for anything, they'll let it count for the fact that we've been able to make a difference in this world. It's fine to know that we're saved. It's fine to know that we're going to go to heaven one day and, you know, we're going to be with Jesus and we're excited about that. But the Lord says you have an appointed time on earth. And in this appointed time, we're not just going to sit around and wait for things to happen. We're going to, we're going to make some things happen. And we've got the power of the Spirit of God and we've got what He's done and how the Spirit moves in us. And that's He's equipped us to do great things for Him. Otherwise, Jesus would have never said we're going to, if we weren't equipped, he would have never said, you're going to do the works that I did. We would have all laughed and said, yeah, yeah, sure, right. <laughs> you know, 
But, you know, obviously, this is what I love about the Father. You know, I've never known to have my Heavenly Father to challenge me in an area where I knew I was not going to be capable of doing something. And I think it's like every father and his children, you know, it would be unfair to demand things from your kids if you knew they weren't either old enough or wise enough yet, you know, to do that. You wouldn't demand things from them that were not within their scope. And that's how our Father works today, our Heavenly Father. And that's how the Spirit of God begins to guide you and begins to strengthen you, begins to challenge you in an area where He knows you're capable of moving and working. So you never have to be afraid of what God asks you to do. You never have to worry. And a lot of times we like to worry and we think, oh, can I do this? Can I not do this? You know, as you move out in the gifts of the Spirit or God begins to challenge you to go maybe to another nation or go out in the city or, or speak to someone about the love of Jesus and we're all real nervous. I don't know if I can do this or not, you know. But just remember the Father wouldn't ask you to do this unless you were capable. And He's giving you this inner strength. You know, the Spirit says, you know, God says, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. And he's never going to leave you nor forsake you. He's going to be with you always. So, you know, you're never alone. The Holy Spirit is always with you. If we're going to shape the world in which we live, then we have to learn to rely upon the Holy Spirit. If we're going to do the works that Jesus did, then we're going to have to rely on the same Spirit that he relied on. Oh, Pastor John, which Spirit was that? The Holy Spirit. The Spirit which the Father gave him. The same power which the Father gave him. The same power that resided in Jesus resides in us. Otherwise, it would be not fair for the Father to say, do the works that my son did. Well, he was your son. Of course he could do those things. Why are you comparing us with him? You know, and he's doing that because he's saying, because I gave you the same opportunity. I gave you the same spirit. My spirit resides in you. And you are capable of doing what he did. And this is the beauty of it. We can't do it in ourselves, but we can do it through the spirit. And what God is looking for today, He's looking for a generation that will begin to move and minister through His Spirit. Amen. That maybe just, just, maybe just disconnecting from this world long enough and connecting with the Spirit of God so that you can begin to understand how God moves through His Spirit. You know, the Bible talks about walking in the Spirit. I know the Scripture says, walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the works of the flesh. But if we're talking about walking in the Spirit, what does that really mean? You know, and I believe that walking the Spirit means that you have trusted God enough to know that your walk is not just a normal walk, but it's influenced by the Spirit of God. If it's influenced by the Spirit of God, it's influenced by His thoughts. It's influenced by the way the Father thinks. It's influenced by what the Father wants to do in your life. And that's the beauty of it. If you begin to walk with the Spirit, you'll begin to pick up the things that the Father really wants to do in your life. Part of your calling, part of your destiny. And it's trusting Him. Trusting him that he's not going to let you fall, but he's going to be there for you. Yeah, he's, not going to, he's not going to just dump you out there, you know, like, there's somebody, go talk to him. And he throws you out there and he goes back. <laughs> you know, he's going to stay with you. He's right there, right beside you. It's okay. You know, we can do this. We're going to do this together. We're going to testify my father. And I'm right here because I know him better than anybody. Yeah. And the beauty is that if we begin to listen to the Holy Spirit in this aspect, we're going to see things happen that we never dreamt were possible. And we're going to see the glory of God revealed through us in a very, very special way. You know, if you want to fulfill the purpose God has for your life, then the best suggestion I can give you is that you begin to listen to what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. And begin to trust Him to take those steps of faith that He's asking you to take. Georgette and I have had many experiences over the last 35 years 
coming from, from Canada to Germany and back to Holland, where I was born. And, you know, just the things we've had to do all these years have been based on the fact that we heard God's voice and that the Holy Spirit spoke to us and that we were obedient to follow Him. And obedience is big in the life of a Christian, obeying God and not holding back, but just going for it. And, you know, and maybe you don't have everything that, that, you know, planned ahead. Maybe you can't see everything that God wants to do, but He's only asking you to take the first step. And if you take that first step, He'll make sure that the next one is there for you to see. It's a long staircase sometimes, you know, that, that goes up to heaven, and maybe you can only see the first step. But if you take that first one, the next one will become visible. Amen. And guess who knows where that staircase goes? Yeah. The Father does. Oh, yeah, yeah. And He won't lead you astray. Amen. Doing the works of Jesus, wow, when I thought of that theme, I thought, whoa, man, here we go. Ready for some power, ready for some release of power tonight? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. you're going to take something home with you. If your heart's open for it, you will receive it tonight in the name of Jesus. I'm going to just speak a short time tonight, then I want to minister to you prophetically, because that's where the Lord has me gifted, and that's where I want to move. But we want to look at the Word tonight. And of course, we've already got John 14, 12. And most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to the Father. You know, when we consider the works that Jesus did, um, we need to understand that Jesus was aware of one thing. He was aware of the fact that he was doing this work for the Father. He was doing it for the Father. So just remember, no matter what it is that God has you involved in, you're doing it for him. Check, where's your heart? You're not doing it for yourself. You're not doing it to receive glory. You're not doing it to build a name or a position for yourself. You're not there to stand out, you know, look at me, look what I'm doing for God. But you're doing it for the Father. And everything that you do for Jesus needs to point back to the Father. And this is the example that Jesus gave us. He said, I didn't come to do my will. I came to do the will of the Father. Why are you looking at me? In fact, if you're looking at me, you're actually looking at the Father. So we need to understand that everything we do in this particular era, we're going to be doing it to His honor. Hallelujah. And we want to do it for Him. That's the beauty. You know, we're not forced to. Nobody's forcing you to do anything. Isn't this great about grace? Don't you just love God's grace? That grace does not force us to do anything, but grace speaks to our heart, and our heart is moved by the Spirit of God, and we want to do it. Nobody's standing behind us saying, you've got to, you've got to. And it's grace that's given us such an open door to minister out of, out of what God has done in our lives. You know, and to just, yeah, and to just do it out of love, out of love for the Father and what He's done for us. That's so important. John 4, 34, what did Jesus say? I've got a few scriptures here. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Very clear. John 5, verse 30, I can of myself do nothing. What's that, Jesus? What do you mean? As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous. Because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. John 6, 38, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So Jesus said, let's get this very clear. He said, this is, this is not my agenda. This is not my program. He says, but this is, the, this is the Father. The Father has given me this assignment. The Father has asked me to do this. And the Father has said, I'm going to send you to the earth, and this is what you're going to do. He says, but I'll not leave you powerless. 
and, and he equipped him to do what he had to do. That doesn't mean that Jesus did not have a difficult time. That does not mean that even in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was, he was very frustrated and it was very difficult for him to accept that cup. Of course he has struggles. But you know the beauty of it is that God brought him down to our level. He brought him down to the earth. And Jesus came. Yes, he was born of a virgin. He had to be in order to be able to take our sins upon him. He could not have been born into sin. Otherwise, he couldn't have died for us. See, he was not born into sin. Hallelujah. But he was born of the Father. He was born of the Spirit. But everything that Jesus did, he did because he had an assignment from the Father. He came to fulfill what the Father had told him to do. Today, we are here because we're here to fulfill the assignment that the Father has given us. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I have to go. He said, I fulfilled my assignment. I did what I came to do. He says, now it's time for yours. And the Father is speaking to our heart today, and he says, I have so much to do yet on this world, so much to do yet on this earth, and I'm sending you. And he's looking for people that are willing to say, yes, Lord, I will go. I will go. When Jesus was 12 years old, do you remember the story when his parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration? And uh, they finished, and then they went home, and... and, uh, they thought that Jesus had gone home with some of the relatives. So they got home and Jesus wasn't there. And they were all worried. Where did he, he's only 12 years old. Where did this boy go? And, and do you remember they traveled all the way back? And where did they eventually find him? They found him in the temple. And he was talking to the people. And he was asking them questions, and he was talking to them about the Word, about the Old Testament. Of course, he was asking them questions and, and just reiterating with them. And, and, and Jesus said to his parents, he said, why are you seeking me? Did you not know I must be about my father's business? Hey, guys, I know I look like a 12-year-old kid, but listen, I'm doing my father. That a 12-year-old already knows he is doing his father's business. Don't think that God can't speak to the heart of a child. Don't think that God cannot already make it very clear to someone at a very young, young age that he's got a calling on his life. And there are so many children that we prophesied over knowing that God has a destiny for them. And surely the day will come when they will begin to actively be involved in ministry. But Jesus is an example that at 12 years old, he said to his parents, you ought to know I'm about my father's business. Something was already inside of him and was coming alive and wakening up. What is it that God has deposited in your life? What is it that's stirring in your soul right now? What is it that's getting you up on your feet and causing you to do some things where maybe your parents or friends are gonna say, what are you doing? They say, don't you know I'm about my father's business? I'm doing the will of God. I'm doing what God has laid upon my heart to do. That's what I'm doing. And maybe you don't understand that. And Mary and, and his parents, then you also didn't understand it. She said he kind of pondered it, you know, like, hmm, okay, well, think about that, you know. And I don't know quite what he means by that. And there may be people around you that will think the same thing. Don't quite understand you, but you know that you're about your father's business. And that's what's important here tonight. Knowing who you're doing this for. And knowing the purpose behind it. And the father has an assignment for you, for me, for everybody here. And we need to just accept that. But it's beautiful to see how God can touch a young man at such a young age and make him aware of his calling. So let's not underestimate the assignment that God has given us. Let's be aware of the fact that he's going to make it known to us at different stages, and it's going to become clearer and clearer. You know, when I felt called to the ministry, I didn't jump into it with both feet. 
I knew I was called, and I knew I really wanted to serve God. And I've, I may have told you before that my background is atheistic. I, I was an atheist. I was raised in an atheist home. I never, I never went to church. Nobody ever told me about Jesus. That's how I was, I was raised in Holland. I was born in Amsterdam. And that's how my parents raised me, because they did not believe in God. And so, you know, I came from atheism into Christianity. <laughs> and from the moment that I got born again, I had the desire to serve God. And it was strong, really, really strong. And I, I didn't know how to go about it, but I knew that whatever it was that God gave me to do, I would do it. And I remember, as, as Georgette and I, at that time, we were, we were just engaged to be married. I won't bother going into the story, but she got saved, and we both got active in the kingdom of God. And, and we just, you know, we went to church, and we just went to the pastor, and we said, what can we do? You know, and then there we went, you know. And, and I, I can remember after being saved a month, they asked me to teach a Sunday school. I was only saved one month. I hardly knew the Bible. <laughs> I came as an atheist to Christ, you know, I mean, like, and I had all this stuff about the end time. You know, the end time teaching, isn't that exciting when you first get born again? Jesus is coming again, man. I mean, come on, we're, going, we're not going to go through the tribulation because we're going to go up in there. Remember all that stuff? And, you know, and I was learning all this from friends, and they were teaching me all this. Oh, yeah, John, this is going to happen. And I took all this stuff, and there I was, you know, with five, six uh, young men around me. And uh, I was to teach the Sunday school class, and I was going for it. And they said, boy, you're really excited, aren't you? I said, man, I'm saved. I'm excited about what Jesus is doing, you know. And they said, yeah, we can see that, you know. And they said, well, we've heard about the rapture before. And I said, yeah, man, but it's really going to happen. <laughs> and there's just something on the inside of you that, that just propels you forward. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't stop, it propels you forward. It just keeps you going. And there were so many things. And if it was the teenagers that we did, the teenage ministry or, or the Sunday school, where we were, you know, there were so many things that excited us. Let's do that. Let's do this. Let's be busy for God. And all the time, you know that you're called. And that calling may not culminate just yet into something that, you know, that you really envision is going to be it. That may take some time. But the time came when we began to realize that God was preparing me for the ministry and for the full-time ministry. You know, there are different stages and different stations in your life. And I see Jesus at the age of 12. I see that as one of those stations. I see it as a confirmation of the Father. I see it as a message that was already going out at that time. Keep your eye on this young man because something's about to happen. Keep your eye on this boy named Jesus. Eh? Remember the conversations you had with him in the temple. Huh? Yes, they may ponder, isn't that the son of Joe? Isn't that a carpenter's son? You know, they may ponder those things, but there's something about what God does in between the time that you begin to enter into the ministry and in the time you prepare for it. And there are stages and stations that begin to confirm the calling of God on your life, and it confirms to the people around you. And if we're going to demonstrate the power of God working, then we've got to start somewhere. We cannot grasp a hold of the works that Jesus did by just saying, oh yeah, I'm going to do that, and then try to, to exercise that. But you have to kind of work yourself into it. By work into it, I mean you have to kind of be led of the Spirit to slowly grow into that aspect of knowing who you are in Christ to be able to do His works. And sometimes I find that the church is willing to grasp the miracles, but they're not willing to pay the price to get there. And there is a place of training. And there is a place of stretching yourself out of, in faith. Yes, it's going to require faith, of course. And God's going to stand with us. But we can see here, Jesus did not have his own agenda. In many ways, he said, I'm only doing the will of the Father. 
So doing the works of Jesus is doing the works of the Father. And Jesus repeatedly said that he and the Father were one. In John 14.10, John 14.10, he said, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? For the words that I speak to you, I don't speak them on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Wow. He says, it's the Father. He says, you know who's doing all this through me? Let me introduce you to the Father. And some of the disciples said, well, show me the Father. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Yeah. You know, and, and sometimes people are trying to grasp something that is so close you know, and when, when we're talking about Jesus and the works that Jesus did, you know, we're looking for a, a, a real revelation and a real aspect of power that we can grab a hold of. And sometimes it's so close that we don't even notice it. For the Spirit of God is already on the inside of you. His Holy Spirit is already there to do the work. And a lot of times it's just giving him the room to do what he wants to do. I'm just amazed at what God can do through us if we just give the Holy Spirit the room to do it. If we just allow those things that, that pull us back to just be, be loosened, you know, lift that anchor. I mean, just give God the space to do what he wants to do through you. He's only looking for a vessel, an obedient vessel. Often I say to people, you know, I said, if the spirit did not have a place to enter, I said, what would he be doing? I said, he'd be just be floating around here somewhere, you know. So we don't understand that for the spirit to be able to do what he has to do, he has to have legs so he can get somewhere. He has to have a voice so he can speak. He has to have hands so they can be laid on people to be healed. The Holy Spirit coming into, he's saying, you're my temple. Did the Bible not say it's the temple of the Holy Spirit? Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came in, he says, can I live in you? Because I need you. Why do you need me? Because I can't get over there unless you listen to me and take me over there. Because I can't speak to that person unless I can use your mouth to speak to him. Because my father has chosen to do it that way. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, you can live in me if you want. Jesus, come into my life. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. The Holy Spirit came in. And he's living in you. And, and, and now he's beginning to, to move you. He motivates you. He, he causes you to do things where you go, whoa, where did that come from? That's not me. Yeah, because you're no longer the same person. The Bible says you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. And you've got a whole new set of rules and regulations now, if you want to call it that, that are beginning to dictate your life. And those are the things that the Word of God tells you to do. You know, when I got saved, people didn't understand me anymore. They didn't understand the way I talked anymore. Not that I forgot to talk English, but I was talking things to do with the Word of God that they had no knowledge of. And he who does not know God cannot understand the things of God. But we who know Him... We who have the Spirit of God living in us, we do know what God is saying to us, and we understand what He's saying to us. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. <clears throat> so the Father was behind the works that Jesus performed. It was the Father that spoke through Him. It was the Father that fulfilled His eternal purpose through Jesus. It was the Father that empowered Him to overcome. It was the Father that raised Him from the dead. In every aspect, He was the Father's message to a lost and dying world. And when I read that, I think, what message am I? What message, what message am I giving to the world? What is my place in all this? You know, uh, and sometimes, you know, last week in my church too, I was preaching something similar, and I said, you know, sometimes we think that the only time we can really mean something for the kingdom of God is when we do those really spectacular things. You know, when I was talking about the, the last crusade that Rainer Bonnke was having in Africa, you know, in Nigeria and Lagos, 
and all those millions of people, you know, like, I said, you know, sometimes we think, oh, if I could just be that, you know, if it could be Daniel Kalenda, you know, preaching to the masses, you know, well, I'm really doing something for God. You know, or, or even a local, you know, if it's, if it's John Zalstra or somebody that's, or Benny Hinn, you know, they're ministering in those gifts of healing, you go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, you know, then I'm really doing something for God. You know, and I've never really felt that God wants us to be in that place unless we're called to be there. You know, and, and so often it's not about looking at someone else and saying, oh, I, that's what I want to do, but it's about finding out what God wants you to do. You know, what's, he call, what's your place in all this? What's your destiny? What's your calling in all this? You know, what, what's your purpose? What, do you, what can you contribute? You know, and I always say to people, I say, don't just do nothing, but do something. Do something with your life, you know? But don't begin to measure it according to what you see happening elsewhere. Don't begin to measure yourself up against someone else and say, well, if I'm doing that, then I'm really doing something for God. Because God says, I'm not calling you to do that. I'm calling you to do this. And he puts you right there where you need to be. Praise God. We're a a body, and the body has many members. Every member has a function. Amen? And that's so important to remember. So if we can say anything about Jesus, we can say that he obeyed the Father. He obeyed the Father in order to do His will. His obedience in carrying out the Father's assignment paved the way for you and I to carry out ours. Because Jesus was our example. Eh? God's not telling us and calling us to go to the cross for Him. Jesus already did that. Jesus said, that was my assignment. You're not supposed to die for the world and the sins of the world. That was my assignment. I completed my assignment. Your assignment's different. Yeah, so we're not asked to go that route again. Jesus said, I've already paid the, pr- I've already paid the price for that. I've already, I've already finished that. That part's done. You've overcome. You have eternal life now. Hallelujah. You, you, you can live in me now. And the devil can't come to you and call you a sinner anymore because you've been saved by grace. Hallelujah. And that's beautiful. But, you know, he says that there's more to do because there's many people that don't know this yet. So he's calling us to fulfill his, what he was doing and to fill his, God's purpose on the earth. So we need to proclaim the gospel. We need to talk to people. We need to communicate with people. We need to leave something behind where people are going to realize that God loves them too. And Jesus said, I'm sending you. Yeah, like in Matthew 28, the Great Commission. You know, I'm sending you now. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you this assignment now. Now you go. And how are we going to do this? Well, with the same power that Jesus had. With the same Holy Spirit that Jesus had. Hallelujah. One of the greatest things that motivated Jesus to keep going and fulfill his destiny was his love for the Father. And I've learned a long, long time ago that if you don't love people, they're not going to listen to you. Love is the message that we have. God's love, the agape love. The love that the Father gives to us. That's the love we need to communicate to the world. An unconditional love. A love that's willing to just lay down its life. That's the kind of love that God wants us to, to show to the world. Hallelujah. And Jesus understood this love. He knew the Father loved him. And he loved much himself. But love is an important message today. We have such a hurting world. Georgette does a, a course called Beauty for Ashes. And in this course, she teaches or actually helps people to overcome a lot of abuse that they've had in their lives a lot of uh, things that have caused uh, a disruption of their normal lives and causes them to be free. Goes through a whole uh, 12-week course of 
finding out where situations happened, how to get healing for them, going through prayer, uh, getting personal counseling, and it's an entire course of 12 weeks. And we see so many people delivered from things where the enemy has kept them bound all those years. And, you know, and it's because of love. It's because of the love of God. We want people to be set free. You know, we're not here seeking power for ourselves, but we're seeking to do the will of God because we love God. Because we don't want, you know, we want to see people healed because we love them. We want, to, we want to see people, you know, come into the place where God has called them because the love of the Father is in us, and that's what the Father wants. Jesus says, I'm not here to do what I want. I'm here to do what the Father wants. If we're going to do the works that Jesus did, we have to have the same mentality. We have to say, I'm doing this because the Father wants this done. And I love the Father, and He loves me. I'm His child. Hallelujah. Amen. And you are. You are so much His child today. Where did this love come from? Romans 5, 5, the Holy Spirit gave it to us. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I didn't have this love before. I'm not saying that I was a terrible person, and I'm sure most non-Christians won't say that they're terrible people, but they don't know the love of the Father until they get to know the Father, and you can't know the Father until you know the Son, and only through the Son can you come to the Father. So only this love is only possible to really get to know is through getting to know Jesus and then having the way pay free to go to the Father. But this love and the love of God came into my heart, it changed my life. And it cost me to see the world through different eyes. It cost me to want to do the works of God, to, to, to just propagate the gospel, to really go out and to see people. I know when the first time that I began to see the power of the Spirit of God move in my life, the first time that I heard a prophecy, the first time I saw the gifts of the Spirit move, I began to realize that God had also given us a lot of equipment to get the job done. And I began to realize that these things could affect a lot. They could touch a lot of people real quick for the kingdom. They could just begin to cause people to see that God was real. Amen. And that excited me. And that was one of the first things that really got me, you know, going on that trail where I began to seek after, as Paul says, seek after the best gifts, you know, uh, I don't know about you guys, but we grew up in the charismatic movement <clears throat> back in the 70s and 80s, and we've seen many things in our lives. We, we've experienced Catherine Kuhlman when she was still alive. We, we have been in many Benny Hinn meetings. Uh, there were times, in fact, we got to know Benny when he was just 20 years old, when he first came to Canada, when he was still in Toronto. Uh, we used to go on Thursday nights to a, a church called the Catacombs. Murph and Merle Watson were doing music back then. You might not know who they are. But Benny was just over with his family back then, just immigrated to Canada. And he was just a young guy dancing on those Thursday evenings. And later on, as we saw him rise up, he took the mantle from Catherine Kuhlman. That whole, that's the whole era where Georgette and I grew up in. Those are the things we've experienced. And then we grew up in the charismatic movement. And we got in touch with a lot of the big charismatic leaders. And all the time we were in Germany uh, ministering at the church there, we had all the big speakers from the United States, these men of God. You know, where you go, wow, you never ever get, you know, picking them up from the airport, bringing them to church, talking to them and fellowshipping with. You know, we've grown up in an era where we feel we've, we've really been blessed. But we also realize that we need to take that on into the next generation. And we need to leave something behind now that you can do something with. You need to rub shoulders with people that God is using. And allow what God has given them to rub off on you. Let them get you excited about Jesus. Let them get you excited about the possibilities are for you in your life. We can't go back to the past, but we can look towards the future. 
We can look towards what God is about to do in this day and age. And he's raising up a people and he's raising up a generation even now that are going to stand and do things that are even greater than the miracles that Jesus was able to perform. Not that Jesus could not have done it, but because of the disbelief of the generation at that time. Because God says there's a generation coming whose belief level is going to rise. And because it's going to rise, you will do the greater things that Jesus was talking about. And you will do them in a way that will bring glory to the name of the Father. So often we say, how can I do the greater works? What's greater than what Jesus did? Sometimes I say, if I could just do what Jesus did, I'll be happy. <laughs> you know, what do you mean the greater things? Wasn't that great enough? You know, and we don't know exactly what the Father means, but I do believe that we're coming into an era where we're going to see things happen. You know, when, 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 when we go to Suriname, we have... Uh, you know, I, I, I preach in a lot of churches there to get does the, the course that I was talking about, the Beauty for Ashes. But you know, a few years ago, the Lord opened the door, and all of a sudden, I get this call from a young man that I knew from one of the churches. He's a lawyer. And he says, uh, the minister of justice wants to come to church. And I said, it's fine. Anybody come to church? I said, it's fine. He said, yeah, I said, I've invited him. I don't know if he's going to come. Make a long story short, this man shows up, sat in the back of the church. I didn't know who he was. And he had a business friend with him. And I usually make an altar call and I have people come up and want to give them words and just speak prophetically to them. And he says to this businessman, why don't you go up? Why don't you go up? I want to see what he does. So this business guy comes up and I begin to prophesy over his business. And this uh, minister justice just nearly flipped out. He says, how could he know that? That's just not possible. The guy sat down again. Next day I get a phone call from the minister justice. He said, I'd like to come see you, pastor. Would you mind? I said, no. This black car pulls up, kind of like a half limousine, you know, driver. <laughs> She gets into the apartment where we're staying, and he says, I want to talk to you. Next thing you know, he starts pouring out his whole life to me, where he's from, how he got to know the Lord, the situation he's in, and stuff like that. I said, well, before you say anything, well, let me just say a few things over you that God's shown me. So I prophesied over him, and he just was really perplexed and just couldn't believe it. And in any case, in the last uh, couple of times, not this time, but the time before this time, I was able to meet up with him again. He, came, he knew when I was there, can I come? Yes, you can. Sometimes he'll at me. Then last year, the Lord opened up another door for me, and the president of the central bank got a hold of me through a friend. There was a young man in the church, and uh, he came up, and I heard the Lord say that the Lord was going to take him and put him in a position where he was going to have a lot of people under him. And I said to him, I said, God's going to take you out of a position where you are now, where it's probably just kind of a low-type job, and he's going to place you in a very high position. You're going to have a lot of people under you. Within a few weeks, the government changed hands, and the president of the central bank was changed, and the guy that was dead in charge, now in charge, is a Christian. And he says, I, I want a, a bodyguard that I can trust. And he got to know this man, and he said, I want you as my bodyguard. You determine who you want working with you. Within a few weeks, the Lord elevated him to a very high position as a personal bodyguard and all the security people working for him. As a result, he says, I want you to get to know the president of the central bank. So he introduced me to him. And last year, we went there for the first time to talk to him. And I prophesied over him and over his life. And I could just see that things were beginning to change. This year, we went back again. He just got back during the time that we were there. And he said, yes, I want to see Pastor Engel. And so we went there. And for the first I've never experienced this before. And this man, I mean, talk about uh, you know, being in a position of authority. And he walked up, and he just hugged me. And I had a friend with me, of course. And he hugged him. And it was, it was like we'd known each other all our lives, you know. 
and we just talked about what was happening in the country, and I shared some things that I had in my heart for the country, and I said, we just want to encourage you. I said, you don't know how much this means to me. He says, I, I, I'm just I'm like almost ready to quit. It's just at a point where you know, it's so frustrating, and if you know Suriname a little bit, you know they have a lot of struggles. But I said, well, we just want to encourage you, sir. Please do not quit. We need people like you. We need people that know Jesus. We need people in the right places, in the right positions. And you know, I'm saying all this to show you that God can open doors for you. And you may think that the position that you have doesn't amount to much, but God is well aware of where you're at. And if you're not there, who else is going to do it? And God is placing us strategically in these last days and places where we can impact the world for Jesus. And we can impact those that have a say in this world that can then begin to impact our nations. Hallelujah. And there are so many that we don't know of that really need us. And all they need is the words of encouragement. All they need is some prayer. All they need is just someone to step up there and say, well, I'm with you, sir, and I will pray for you. And I know that God will use you in the position that you're in. So often I have the feeling that we think too little of ourselves. We're keeping ourselves down to a level where we think, you know, what can I do? And I notice this, especially when it's time for elections, you know? A lot of people don't go to vote. Yeah, what can I do? What's my voice going to do anyway? You know? You, know, you know what I'm saying? You know, and sometimes I have that same feeling in the kingdom of God. Well, I can't do much anyway. You know, who am I? You know, I just go to church and just do my thing, you know, go to work and, uh, you know, live, try to live a good life and see what happens. I mean, that's just wasting time, folks. I'm sorry. I mean, let's, you know, let's concentrate on what God wants us to do. You know, sometimes the tasks are so menial and we think, well, it doesn't amount to anything. But listen, just talk to your pastor and say to him, well, pastor, if I didn't do that anymore, what would you think? I guarantee he'll say, oh, please don't do that to me because you're the best person we have. If you didn't do that, I don't know who's going to do it. So you're in a good place, right? And it doesn't just mean the things in the church, but it also means your ministry outside of the church, outside of these walls. And that's what God is preparing us for, because Jesus did not just stay in the synagogue where he challenged the religious leaders, and he did a great job of that. They didn't really like much of what he had to say, but he challenged them. But he also went outside of the synagogues. He went outside of the church walls, and he went to the streets, and he went to the poor, and he went to the needy. But Jesus one time said, you know, the ones that need a physician are the ones that are sick. People are saying, why are you going with him? Why are you going home with him? Why are you going home with him? You know, he says, because the people that are sick, they need a physician. And there's so many people out there that need us. And sometimes it's, it's no more than just praying with them and just, you know, sharing the Word of God with them. You know, it, we're, you know what I love about the Holy Spirit? Jesus said, he said, there will be times, he says, and you'll be, you'll be brought before the courts and, you know, things will happen and all sorts of circumstances. He said, but, you know, he said, don't worry at that point in time what to say because my Spirit will remind you what to say. And I discovered that the Holy Spirit is an excellent... In fact, he's a better reminder than my smartphone. You know, we got these great gadgets, you know, and put these little reminders, things in. The oh, yeah, right, you know. You know, it was great when you're in business. And get, but, you know, the Holy Spirit can do a much better job. And I've noticed so often that, that the Holy Spirit has spoken to me, and I said, God, I'm just right in the middle of something here. You don't have anything to write this down. Can you please remind me of that later? And every time again... If it's really God guaranteed, it will come up again. And if I don't have time, then he'll, and he'll just keep bugging. Don't want to say bugging me, but he just keeps reminding me, you know. You're going to do this, right? Because I asked you to do this. Oh, yes, that's right. I'm going to do this. And the Holy Spirit is so great in, in talking to us that way, you know. He's, he's friendly, but he's firm. 
you know? He doesn't let go. And that's so great because, you know, when you share the word with somebody, you want the Holy Spirit to continue to convict him, right? Not you, but you want the Spirit to keep working, and he does. But it's the same when we begin to step out in faith for him. You know, he's always there. He says, I'm your teacher, man. I'm going I'm to teach you everything you need to know. I'm going to remind you. I'm going to tell you what to say. I'm gonna, when you open your mouth, it'll be me speaking through you. What did Jesus say? They're not my words. They're the words of the Father. What does that mean, Jesus? Yeah, that means when I open my mouth, you're hearing the Father speak. Is it any different when we open our mouths in the name of the Father that his voice is going to come out? That the words that, are, that we begin to form, the words we begin to speak are words of wisdom, godly wisdom. That are words that come directly from heaven, directly from the Father himself. Hallelujah. Is, is it too far to think that that's possible? Is it too much to ask? It, you know, we need to, we need to, sometimes we need to just disconnect long enough from this earth to connect with God and to, to get a good download from God and then reconnect so we can let it go, so we can begin to release it. Because, I, 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 you know, I'm convinced that in even my own life, I, I know there's so many things that distract us in this world. So many things demand our time. Why do we have these smartphones in the first place? Because, you know, we've got to try and organize our lives. You know, before we had this thing, these things, I thought we were organized too. I don't think we lived in an organized world. But now it's like, you know, well, we've got to organize. Organize is the word. Administrate and organize. You know, and God's, God's organized the entire world from the day of creation. Scientists are still trying to figure out how some things work and how planets rotate that is coming into our star system and, you know, and where's this black hole coming. I mean, God created all this. His infinite mind. Absolutely incredible. Don't you think that God is capable of taking us human beings, the ones he created, and placing us exactly where we need to be at the right time and allowing us to speak the right word so that what he wants to see accomplished gets accomplished? Absolutely. Absolutely. Whether that means just being in a country like Suriname and getting to talk to high dignitaries, or whether it just means being in the Netherlands and causing something to happen in this nation, or wherever God takes you, the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to set up your agenda. Amen. Why? Because you don't have one. You don't have one. You don't have one. And Jesus said, you know, when the Holy Spirit comes, he don't have an agenda either because he only says what the Father says. He's a spirit. The Spirit doesn't add anything to what the Father says either. He clearly communicates what the Father says. So the Holy Spirit is actually the one downloading the agenda of the Father into our hearts. And he's the one that's guiding us every step of the way. Did you get that? No, I didn't quite hear that. Here it comes again. Second time. Ah, you begin to ponder. And then the third time, the f- by the fourth time, you're going, I got it. I got it. Because God's really good at confirming things. You know, you hear something here and you go, hmm. And then you hear it there and you go, hmm. And then another guy goes, oh, wait a minute. And by the time you hear it the fourth time, you go, that's God. Yeah. And so the Holy Spirit has different ways of connecting with us in our daily tasks in order to communicate the same message to us. And once we've got this download, he says, so you got it? I got it. And then you go, how are we going to do this? Don't worry, I'm with you. I'm not, I'm not leaving you. I didn't give you the message to take off. I'm not just a messenger, okay? So, you know, so he walks with you. And the Holy Spirit walks with you. And he begins to teach you to take those steps. He teaches you where to go. He teaches you what to say. You know, and at first it's difficult because you don't really know. You know, you get up to someone, hi, uh, 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 and the Holy Spirit says, don't say uh too many times, okay. 
hi, uh, do you mind if I talk to you? Most people say, yeah, sure, what's up? I just, you know, I just felt like you're, you're not feeling well. Sometimes you're not feeling well. Well, that's funny you should say that. Actually, I don't feel very well. Holy Spirit goes, you got it, come on, come on. You know, and, 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 you know, and, and you take the next step, you know, and before you know it, you hear words coming out of your mouth, could I pray for you, you know. You wonder, where did that come from? I got to pray for this person right here on the streets? You've got to be kidding me. Holy Spirit says, no, 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 no. I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. You know, you lay your hands on them, I'll do the work. I'm the power. I'm behind you. Yeah, I'm, I'm working, uh, but I, I need you to trust me. Do you trust me? Yes. Well, if you trust me, you trust the Father. Do you trust the Father? Of course I do. Do you love the Father? Oh, I love the Father. Why are you doing this? Because I love the Father. Good, we're going for it. And you lay your hands on this person, and you begin to pray, and that person is thinking, there ain't nothing going to happen. And all of a sudden, <laughs> and something happens. <sighs> what did you do? I didn't do anything. Well, all I did was pray for you. And you're probably also going, <gasps> it worked. <laughs> you know, you get, you get all excited, you know. Oh my God, it worked. Wow, unbelievable. And, and, and all you really did was be obedient to the Spirit. Just, just walk it out. Walk it out. Begin to speak in His name, knowing that it's the will of the Father, knowing that you're speaking on His behalf. That's what it's all about. And not letting go, not allowing, not allowing anything to come in between it. But, you know, just, just follow. I was at work one time, and I have a fellow that I work with, a young Polish guy. And uh, he has a Catholic background. And one day I was talking to him about the Lord, and I said, do you know, I said, do you know Jesus? He says, no, he said, I'm Catholic, raised Catholic. So anyway, we talked for a while, and he says, I'd like to have a Bible, an English Bible. I said, I'll get you one. So I bought him an English Bible, and I gave it to him. And then one day I was talking to him, and I said, uh, how are you making out reading the Bible? He says, oh, I'm not reading too much. He says, it's, uh, yeah, I don't really have a whole lot of time. He said, how much are you reading? He says, probably only about eight pages. I'm thinking it's probably more than most Christians, you know. Of course, I didn't want to sell that to him, of course. It wouldn't have been very good. So anyway, I said, oh, I said, that's good. That's good. I said, eight pages is good, you know. I said, try to read the New Testament. It's a little bit better than some of the old, you know. I said, but uh, I said, see what you can do. He said, yeah. but you know, I've been having this unusual thing happen lately. I said, what's that? He says, I wake up every night at the same time. I said, you do? Yeah, he says, 3.15. He says, he says, the last three nights, I wake, I look at my clock, and I can see it in the dark, it's 3.15. The next night, 3.15. The next night, 3.15. He says, that's so weird. He says, what do you think that means? I said, well, I said, God often talks in numbers. And I said, I think God's trying to tell you something. He says, you really mean that? I said, yeah. I said, you know what I think? I think it's John 3.15. And everybody's saying, yeah, you mean John 3.16? No, John 3.15. And I said, why don't we look it up? So we, I said, let's Google it, you know, and... Uh, so we Googled it, we looked it up. I said, look what it says here. <clears throat> it talks about Jesus saying, you know, that if you want to come into the kingdom, you know, you're going to have to go through him. And then later on, he talks to Nicodemus, you know. And I said, I think God's talking to you, man. I mean, come on, three times in a row, 315. He goes, yeah, that's, wow. He says, I never do that. I said, oh, yeah, God talks through numbers. He does. I said, you just have to know what they mean. So we got into a conversation, and uh, he's not quite that far yet. We're getting there, because then the manager walked in. It was kind of like, okay. Probably not a good time to talk anymore about this right now. We'll wait till our break. And, uh, but anyway, you know, the Holy Spirit can use those little things to begin to affect someone's life. And all he's asking for is for us to step out, you know, in bold faith and just begin to proclaim what the Spirit has told us. 
And if, and if he drops it in your heart that it's John 3.15, then, then look up John 3.15. And then don't go look at it and go, well, that wasn't it. Let's try uh, Romans 3.15. Oh, that wasn't it either. No, just go with what the Spirit has put on your heart. And just walk it out in faith. If, there, if you're going to learn anything this weekend, is that you've got to trust God. You've got to trust the Holy Spirit, His Spirit. And you've got to walk it out in faith. And that does not mean that you have to know everything that's going to transpire every single second, every single minute. All it means is that you know where to start and you take that first step. Because guaranteed, God's not going to let you fall. If you take that first one, he'll show you the next one. And when you take that, he'll show you the next one. And God says, I want you to keep walking in faith because he's not a God that's going to explain everything to you so that you can just in all confidence say, I know how it works, you know. God's already shown me what he's going to do. No, God says, I'm only showing you this much. But Father, I want to go further. Yeah, would you, 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 you do that and I'll show you the rest, you know. So he keeps us walking in faith. He said, I don't want you to rely on yourself and your own ego here. I want you to rely upon me and what my spirit wants to do through you. So walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. Walk with the Holy Spirit. And allow him to just pour out his power through you. Allow him to just demonstrate what the Father wants to do and take you by the hand and just walk you through the whole thing from beginning to end. And there's only one thing, you know, that you're going to get out of that, and that is that you're going to be glorifying the Father. You're going to be, you're going to be making his name great, and you're going to feel great yourself too. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm going to pray for some people tonight. I think I've said enough. I have so much... But I want to pray for a lot of people tonight. So, Pastor, I'm going to leave a little bit of time to do that. Praise Jesus. But there's somebody here tonight. And uh, actually, there's a few people. But there's somebody here tonight. And I, I saw frustration, very strong frustration in your heart. And I saw some people that were struggling whether or not to continue with, I wouldn't say with life, but just to continue with some of the things that you're doing right now. You're really burdened and you're questioning whether this is the right thing to do, whether to keep going or not, or whether to give up. And, you know, so often the enemy comes and tries to, to put us down and tries to tell us that we're, we don't amount to anything. You know, we're not worth anything. We, we, you know, we shouldn't put our faith out there for too much because it's not going to happen. Those are all just lies. You know, and the enemy is good at telling lies. But believe you me, God is here to strengthen you and to hang on to you and to give you hope and a future. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus.